We bring you this special radio television broadcast in order to give you the very latest information on an amazing phenomenon. From the files of Schlock and Awe, welcome to Natural Selection, the home of the DTV Creature Feature. Here are your hosts, Matty Budrevich and Dave Wayne. Don't you dare touch me! Stand back! No! No! Hello and welcome to episode 12, the final episode of Natural Selection, the home of the DTV Creature Feature. My name is Dave Wayne, and sat to my right, as usual, is Matthew Budrevich. Hello. How are you? I'm good, thank you. A bit emotional, though, to be are honest. Are you? Yeah, you, this, you is, this is our swan song. You do look a bit teary, to be honest. <laughs> I did wonder what the Kleenex were for on the, on the table. I thought it could have gone two ways, quite frankly, and I'm glad it's being spent on tears. Why are we emotional? Well, well you know, it's our last episode, isn't it? And, mm-hmm. and, and you know, we, we began many moons ago in a pre-COVID wonderful utopia. The before times. Oh, wonderful times. We used to hug, things like that. <laughs> and, and you know, we, we began with spiders, crocodile and octopus. Mm-hmm. And, you know, many hours later, here we are, almost full circle, would you say? I would say so, yes, mm. completely. Because, well, what better way to end it? Everything mm. goes full circle. Everything repeats mm-hmm. itself. And ultimately... One thing we have to remember throughout this entire Creature Feature Crusade is how important new image were. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They were one of the first to jump on the trend, and really, they helped where... Well, we've sort of teased it in prior mm. episodes about the rise of sci-fi. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was in uh, Webs and Bugs, yeah. where that's when sci-fi really started getting into the Creature Feature game themselves, as in financing the movies as opposed to just playing them on mm-hmm. their channel or their associated networks. So the films that we're looking at today are Lava, mm-hmm. Mosquito Man, Shark Man and Snake Man. A lot of men. A lot of, a lot men. of men in there. Uh, but that is fine by us because they are a quartet of pretty bloody good movies. Well, three quarters pretty <laughs> good movies. We'll get to the dodgy issue. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But this is from a time where this really is the rise of sci-fi. So just as mm. we looked at crocodile, spiders and octopus as among the first wave of the creature features, uh, I guess anaconda, deep blue sea, lake placid genesis, yeah. mm-hmm. this is now where sci-fi started monopolising the market. And you can pretty much draw a line from lava onwards into, okay, this is where sci-fi, this is their bread and butter now. Yeah. They they are the home of creature features, of the director video kind, at least. <laughs> I feel like I'm going to start repeating myself a okay. little bit here, because we have gone through this before, but in order to understand why sci-fi started monopolising the director video creature feature, and the made-for-cable creature feature, <laughs> is that we need to go back to the sci-fi original movies genesis yeah. all the way back in 2001. So that was set up by the uh, channel's current executive vice president of programming and original movies, Thomas Vitale, and his two cohorts, Ray Canella and Chris Regina. Yeah. 
So Vitali, Canella, and Regina, what they would do is they would approach a production house, someone like New Image, uh, and they would come up with an idea or a concept, and they would expect New Image to make that happen. Mm. Every production outfit would be given the same flat fee of $750,000, and whatever additional budget that they needed, they had to drum up themselves through either international sales, uh, international licensing agreements, or, in the case of these four movies today, in partnership with another company. Mm. So, as well as having New Image involved with Lava, uh, Snake Man, Shark Man, Mosquito Man, we've also got another pretty key director video player, and that is Ken Badish of Active Entertainment. Mm-hmm. Now, Active was set up by Badish in 1993, roughly, I believe, about six months after New Image had formed in 1992. Uh, Before that, their biggest claim to sort of fame was producing a really, really great Olivier Gruner uh, sci-fi movie called Automatic, which is just awesome, directed by the brilliant John Malowski. Great bit of action. You're not mentioning the Ernest films, though. Oh, and of course, yes, and of course, they had a financial hand in a couple of dodgy Ernest sequels. Thank you. But in 2004 time, New Image and Active teamed up to make Lava et al. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it proved to be a very fruitful collaboration. Yeah. And because after this, after these movies were all made, that is when sci-fi, they greenlit four more movies from the New Image and Active team up. But we'll get to them in due course. Mm-hmm. So 2004 time, New Image, they pair up with Active and the first film they make is something called Alien Lockdown. Yeah. Okay. And it kills me that we can't <laughs> include it today because sadly, it's a monster movie. Mm. You know, it's an alien-based thing. Uh, I know there's a lot of people that go on about monster movies being the same as creature features, but not by our definition. Mm, no. These are all films with a naturalistic lilt, which all of these have. So... New image, active, sci-fi, this is the partnership, this is where the template for most of their work going forward. Because after this point, after these movies are made, they make another bunch for them, and then they start recruiting other companies into the fold like Cinetel, uh, Amberlite, to Mm, grind mm, out more mm. and more content for the channel, which is slowly becoming known as the most dangerous night on television. You're listening to Natural Selection. The home of the DTV Creature Feature. Now, I want all of you to tell me if that's not the best dang beef you've ever tasted. Do you really think host tender meat can afford to pay good money for diseased cattle? Who's going to buy them? What if I'm not mistaken? Simply put this, the parasites I found in that stream. There's frogs in that stream, too. That doesn't mean that one of them jumped down Patrick's throat and caused him to have a heart attack. I'm trying to be serious here. Oh, my. Patrick stabilized. I have other patients who need my attention. Great. Just do the test, please. Well, it's not even in the international database. So we are. We're, we're, we're looking at an entirely new species. All this stuff's got to be destroyed. 
files research everything like it never happened. Those things are out there right now, multiplying, mutating, whatever you want to call it, and somehow you got it through your thick head that it all has something to do with us. You're telling me this thing ate its way through my cow? No. What I'm telling you is that this thing is going to eat its way through anything that it once perceived was a viable host. Us. People. <laughs> See? No monsters. You know what this means, don't you? No more of those. Okay, that was something from Lava there. What, what would you put this one in the quartet? Are we starting strong? Um, I'd, I mean, well, first off, it's for, it's for sophomore feature, realistically, mm-hmm, isn't it? Mm-hmm. You know, we said in the intro that Alien Lockdown was the first new image active team mm. up. But this is a good launching point, as it does tend to fit in with something that uh, Thomas Vitale, Ray Canella, uh, that, that sci-fi were looking for at the time, in mm. that it is very much a almost a socially conscious uh, horror movie. Yeah. You know, it's got the it's got environmental concerns. It's a real eco horror, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, that's maybe, yeah, that's maybe more than socially conscious. Yeah, mm. it's it, it, a tale of big farmer versus small town folk, mm-hmm. basically. And um, I, I do think that that is a very it gives it a very strong and serious angle. Um, it is a very very good film, yeah. I must say. So it's a very very good and uh, mature horror film it's certainly very surprising where if you'd had of just watched something like alien lockdown which is essentially you know just giving you the monster movie thrills mm-hmm. this is much more serious more measured uh, yeah. and more matured um it doesn't quite achieve the the level of fun that no uh, mosquito man and shark man achieves mm-hmm. but it is a very solid it, it it you know it's a three star masterpiece yeah as, far as i'm concerned yeah i'd agree with that um, it takes us to Host Missouri, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Where we, we meet the new veterinarian, Dr. Eli Rudkus, played by Vincent Ventresca. He's got an appointment with a cow. Don't we all? <laughs> and um, <laughs> the cow belongs to a, um, a man we know well and a man we like a great deal, uh, William Forsyth, mm-hmm. who plays Jacob Long. And the cow has a few issues with a parasite. And, of course, this then goes absolutely crazy doesn't it because mm-hmm. we we learn that um it's um you know a big company who are host, host tender meats tender meats who are infiltrating the food supply yes with their uh, with their new experiment a genetic cocktail it's a great concept it's a very good concept yeah, yeah. I, re- I really the setup is great mm-hmm. uh, I know we've sort of we've been quite dismissive in the past of things that fixate too much on small town politics mm. but the great strength of lava is that it doesn't feel like they're just doing the Jaws thing it's mm. very much part of the drama mm-hmm. and as much as it delivers on the icky horror set pieces yeah. it is a very good character driven horror movie as well Mm. Which, which it probably will surprise a lot of people who are, you know, at the risk of sounding glib, will probably watch it just expecting a typical sci-fi schlock show. Yeah, that, that's, I think that's my, my most dreaded uh, sentence. Typical sci-fi. Mm. Mm. Ty- uh, typical sci-fi. It's your typical sci-fi film. 
Because yeah, there isn't really a typical. Maybe there is today. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Uh, sounding like gatekeepers, that it was all <laughs> never as good as it was back in two thousand and five. Um, but it's true. They're perhaps mm. a bit more, you know, cookie cutter today than they were. Mm. But but back then, I mean, this this is the epitome of the diversity mm. Um, mm. that they showed. And what we said about the ecological bent to, mm. to it—that was something that Vitali was very very keen to express in in early sci-fi mm. movies. Um, uh, the one I always think of is Snakehead Terror, which had oh, a real yeah. mm. ecological bent to it. The great Sinatel mm. production from 2004. So you can tell that there was a lot of thought being put into this yeah. movie, and it is a very classy and a very handsome-looking affair. Yeah, but but that what you're saying about the the ecological aspect, the whole thing comes from the 50s, essentially, mm. doesn't it? Yeah, because yeah. you know of those 50s um, nuclear orientated, you know, things that that really echoed what was going on in culturally and, and, and mm. in society as well. And again, this does here, but yeah, you're right. It's, it's a, it's a really nice looking uh, picture. Mm. Mm. Uh, um, one thing I do think we need to touch on in terms of the character side of it mm. is how Lava is a great example of sci-fi, what they, what they would look for in their casting process. Mm. I believe we said it before in reference to uh, Boa versus Python, how they cast David Hewlett because mm. he had a built-in audience with the channel from yeah, his appearance yeah. in Stargate um, SG-1. Mm. So what we've got here, in addition to having the name of William Forsyth, who, you yeah. know, the, a prestigious... Uh, I, I, I don't want to call him a character actor because apparently he hates that. Oh, really? He hates that description <laughs> of him. He always says it's, that makes him sound like a slam and he seems like quite an intimidating guy who could probably yeah. bounce me across a car park <laughs> if he so desired. Um, but... He's the name, and then you've got the guy playing the the vet, Dr. Eli Rudkus. Mm. Uh, you've got Vincent Ven, uh, Ventresca, who yeah. previously played the eponymous Invisible Man in the 2000-2002 uh, series that ran on sci-fi. Mm-hmm. So he had an audience, yeah, so he's yeah. the lead in this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, and both of them equipped themselves very, very well with the past. Mm-hmm. I found myself caring a great deal about them. Yeah. I mean, Rachel Hunter is there as well, isn't mm-hmm. she? She plays Hayley Anderson. Um, didn't do many acting roles. At 2005 time, she's about to divorce Rod. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so yeah. maybe she, you know... Need of the, need of the money. Need I didn't want to say that. I didn't want to say that. But, <laughs> but she's know, very good for as well. She she plays a good part. She does. I mean, I, uh, apart from like tabloid headlines and that, I only really knew her in the... Um, she, she played Stacy's mom yeah, yeah. in the video for the Phantoms of Wayne. I fondly recall that video. <laughs> Although she did do a job for Winorski, didn't she, in Piranaconda? Mm, yeah, many years later, which does obviously, what Piranaconda was 2012, mm. uh, and that was sort of probably the last truly great type of sci-fi original mm-hmm. for me. Mm. Um, it, they'd been on the wane since then. Yeah. Uh, no but, pun intended. No pun intended, Mr. Dave Wayne. Uh, but... But that does owe a great deal to the framework that, that New Image and Active established for sci-fi mm-hmm. with, with these movies. Yeah. Um, obviously, Lava maybe a little bit more of an exception to that because it is, again, a very serious-minded movie yeah. you know, rather than a knockabout, campy kind of thing. It's filmed in Missouri, uh, mm-hmm. a town called Springfield, Missouri, um, which isn't, you know... You expect to see Bulgaria, don't you? Yes. But it's not. Uh, and I, I think that brings a good dy- dynamic to it, really. Mm. I like small town stuff. The thing that got me about it, I, I thought, 
it could easily fit. It could, you could easily make it fit into 1976. Have a CBS TV movie of the week. Yeah, it's got that kind of you know sedate mm. small town vibe with everyone knowing each other, and it, it seemed to me to almost come from another era. Mm. Um, I mean, you got a really complicated writing process, haven't you? Obviously, can. Badish and Boaz Davidson formulated the story for all of these this yeah. quartet, but then you've got another quartet of writers who, who contributed mm. to the screenplay, which seems a lot of uh, a lot of manpower to, yeah. to pump this out. Um, what you what, what you said there about uh, Boaz Davidson, who of course was New Image's mm. right hand man, he mm -hmm. was one of the higher ups in New Image, uh, and Badish, active himself. Um, they yeah they did come up with the story. Mm -hmm. However, as we've learned from talking to various <laughs> people, that story could be anything from a full oh, yeah. synopsis to simply a poster, poster. and a title. Mm. Uh, but yeah, the four writers. Uh, you had a writing team of uh, J. J. Paul V. Robert and T. M. Van Ostrand, who uh, both wrote Alien Lockdown. Yeah. Uh, and then you had David Goodin, who would go on to pen The Black Hole for Active Slash New Image, mm -hmm. uh, which incidentally was directed by uh, Mosquito Man's T-Bar Tackax. Mm -hmm. uh, and then a guy called Kevin Moore had a hand in the script as well, who would go on to uh, write Today You Die for Steven Seagal film, which I believe New Image's bigger budget offshoot, Millennium, might have had a no, hand in I think in you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. had a hand in there. Mm -hmm. uh, so amazingly, when you when you look at that writing credit, it does seem to be a screenplay that has been written by committee. You've got a writing team and mm -hmm. then two other writers who've been yeah, brought yeah. into it. Thankfully, it doesn't feel disjointed. You know, everything seems to fit into place mm -hmm. with this movie. Uh, a very good setup, a compelling story, but yeah. the, the mystery as to why they're doing it is is, is fairly engrossing. Mm -hmm. Although mm -hmm. that does admittedly peter out towards the end of the movie yeah I think it starts strongly mm. I think if, if there is any criticism is that that final third maybe mm. but, yeah, I mean that's not a major criticism it's certainly not a reason to avoid it um, but it's just something to perhaps be aware of when you're watching it but generally speaking it's, it's fine I mean did you like the, the creature I did, yeah. I'm a, I'm a big fan of uh, Shivers, a Cronenberg mm -hmm. movie, and I love anything like Shivers, like James Gunn's Sliver. Mm -hmm. I, I love things with those sort of caterpillar type yeah, yeah, parasites. Yeah. Um, I loved, I love those at the start where they're those little CGI things. I think oh, they're yeah. very, very mm -hmm. well done uh, by Scott Coulter and Worldwide Effects. Mm -hmm. Uh, who is a mainstay across That's the right. entirety mm -hmm. of these four movies. Uh, but yeah, these little slug caterpillar things, and then as they get bigger, they become these sort of, I guess like a cross between a bat and a jellyfish. Uh, <laughs> that's that's all, the closest thing I could sort of approximate them to. Um, and they're kind of cool as well, these hideous black mulch sort of things. And they, I believe they were designed by Tony Gardner, who uh, had previously... He'd worked on a couple of child's plays. Oh, right. um, oh yeah, 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 I did read that. Um, yeah. Army of Darkness, I believe, was another one. Mm -hmm. uh, and, of course, the 1988 version of The Blob, Yeah. to mm -hmm. which this film does share similar DNA. Yeah, yeah, very much so. Uh, there's a couple of good character actors in here as well, haven't we? I hate the word. Uh, I'm going to be feel self-conscious about using that. I'm, I'm just forever. looking out the window now, expecting <laughs> William Forsyth to appear. Yeah, invite him in, make him coffee. 
uh, we had David Selby playing uh, Fletcher Odermatt, who's the mm-hmm. um, just loves his meat. Fletcher. He does he loves his meat. Um, who's well known for for being in Dark Shadows, which is something I've never yeah, felt never, any yeah. inkling to watch. I know a few people over the years have done like major sessions. I think Kim Newman sort of episode one to episode a thousand or whatever. Wow. Back to front. That's uh, devotion. It is devotion. Yeah. Um, but no, it just never really, never really appealed to me. Mm. But yeah, maybe, maybe one day. But yeah, anyway, um, Fletcher, um, David Selby was a mainstay in Dark Shadows playing the character of Quinton Collins and he, he, he stayed with this, uh, with the, the uh, British um, active slash millennium Mm. deal with uh, Black Hole as well he went on to be in Black Hole the following year and also got Robert Miano who's someone I didn't really know was that prolific but whoa he's uh, he's got about 300 credits to his name he's oh, right, okay. incredibly yeah. prolific especially latter days um, insane yeah I think he was in Skeleton Man which oh, right, was okay, the, yeah, the which... man of this yeah, group this, that doesn't really fit yeah it, it's sort of the outlier mm. of these movies it, it, it yeah. was I think that was due to how Boulevard Entertainment packaged the mm. British DVDs of these, which surfaced in around 2008 mm-hmm. time. Yeah. And they tried to peg uh, Skeleton Man as being part of what what was termed the, the new breed of Predator yeah. series. But uh, yeah, and, that, and that's really, that's kind of a janky movie, that. That's, yeah. that's nowhere near the quality of any of these four. No, no, no. Um, but uh, with, with the, the quote-unquote character actors... <laughs> Uh, yeah, they all uh, the performances are very very good I cannot stress yeah. that enough Forsyth of course he, I think he does steal the show it does. just simply because he's William Forsyth and you know, and I, he has I, great hair yeah I love the Christ like look to him <laughs> but there's so many wonderful little little nuances mm. to the characters I love the fact that Forsyth he, he is your stereotypical redneck gun nut, but he's actually <laughs> really quite smart oh, and yeah, well-read. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and you get the sense that he mistrusts authority because he himself has had his fingers burned. Yeah. Not just because he sits and, re- and you know listens to Fox News <laughs> or anything like that. Uh, are they the big fake? Or is it CNN? CNN no, Fox. Yeah, 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 it is yeah, Fox, yeah. yeah. Um, topical. With the... With the <laughs> presidential election which will probably have happened you know in, in the days since I mean this episode let's face it it's probably not going to wear we're all fucked there's going to be some <laughs> nuclear strike or something anyway I digress but the, the other cool touch I like is that you know we joked about uh, Selby's character uh, Fletcher Odermatt loving his meat mm. you know he's this arch carnivore oh, yeah. who's yeah. just meat crazy and business crazy and then you've got you know you've got Dr. Rudkus, who's a staunch vegetarian, <laughs> and it's even joked about how he's come mm. to like the meat capital of, <laughs> you know, of, of America. And I think that's just a yeah. wonderful touch, yeah, and it, it reminds me a lot of the, the sort of outsider dynamic that we saw in uh, El- Ellery Elkham's, uh, what was it, They Nest. They Nest yeah, you know, yeah. it's got that sort of great outsider yeah, vibe to it. Yeah, they're, they're a really good pair, aren't they? Um, yeah, they're, they're, they're both three-star masterpieces, both mm. love and they live. Yeah. They both have their faults, but they both fit very well together. Mm. Yeah. Um, so it's aired in January 2005, January the 22nd, mm-hmm. 2005. Well, actually, there's, there's a, depending on your source, there's mm. some conflict with the dates. All right, okay. uh, so... Depending where you look, it mm. either premiered in January or five on Sci-Fi, yeah. or it premiered in the in the March. Either right. way, it hit US DVD via first look mm. in mm. April two thousand and five. Okay, because 
Tim Cox, who's of course the director, went on to film Mammoth. I mean, this this was the middle section for, mm. for Tim Cox, wasn't it? You know, after doing Alien Lockdown in 2004, this was his middle piece because he then you know did Mammoth yeah, yeah. the following year. How do you think he did in the film? I mean, it's it's a good piece of work, isn't it? I mean, mm. you know, there's not much to fault from him in regard to pacing or anything like that. Yeah, you know, Tim Cox was clearly ruled as a dependable set of hands. Mm-hmm. You know, he did a very very good job with Alien Lockdown. Yeah, uh, which obviously ingratiated himself into the active New Image pool of talent that mm. they would work with. I do think this is probably his best directed of the three creature features but right. mm-hmm. he well of the of the three sci-fi type movies that he do of alien lockdown lava and mammoth mm. um he's not i wouldn't call him a stylist or a showy director but he is just a dependable craftsman mm-hmm. uh he's got a good handle on the suspense uh, on the tension a very good handle on, on on the minutia of character and character development uh, all the shots they're well staged mm-hmm. uh, nothing seems out of place and uh, you know in, in terms of a, a standout sequence i do think that uh, william forsyth and uh, the rudkus character their parasite hunt through the hospital is incredibly oh, yeah. mm. well staged yeah 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 where do you stand overall good intro if 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 you're binging this for tonight would you start with lava yeah, I think it's a it's a good lead into it, and also because it doesn't really, it fits because it's new image and active, but it doesn't fit where it it lacks the explicit and mm-hmm. sort of schlocky B movie thrills. Yeah, yeah. Of the other three, but I, I think to give to, to sort of sum this up, I, you know, I, I wouldn't call the film boring. No, no. For no. one, I do think it would benefit from maybe five minutes trimmed here Tweak. and there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just a few, maybe sharpen up a few scenes and stuff, but. The blend of, of small town politics, the shady and ambitious businessmen, and, and, and the monster movie thrills in it. it it's good at them all. Yeah. It hits all the marks. It, it, it's not the most original film in the world, no. but it's nice story, a good mix of character and carnage, uh, and it's just well told uh, and a pleasure to watch, really. It's just in every sense just a solid little three-star horror movie, like we said. You're listening to Natural Selection, the home of the DTV Creature Feature. The disease affects both young and old. Every bed is full when they're doing all they can. He was uh, scheduled to take part in our experimental drug testing program. Wait, wait, wait. wait. What are you saying? That today you're experimenting on convicts? Too little and nothing happens. Too much and who knows what you'd get. done something to him. I'm telling you, it must have altered his DNA somehow. I'm giving you a blood transfusion to try and uh, slow this down. He wants to meet Tom. That's why he's looking for me. He's here! You don't know what you're up against! 
Mosquito, <laughs> or is it mosquito man? What are, what are we? You know, let let's pick a. What are we going with? I think we've been going for mosquito man because that's oh, the yeah. DVD. Right. Thing. Okay. But I do believe that because I have spent a good few hours <laughs> trying to get the right reverence mm. to say it, I do think mosquito. Oh, it's good. Is that all right. That's nice or, and hoarse. Or mosquito. That's a little bit operatic. Too much. Mm. Mm. There's nothing I can do that seems to nail the reverence. Because no. All, jo- all joking aside, Mansquito, that is a fucking title. <laughs> yes. It, it's, you know, that's all you need, isn't it? Yeah. We, I mean, we, we could just sit here repeating Mansquito. Over really. and over again for 15 minutes and, and people will lap it up. You yeah. know, it, it is in the same dynasty as uh, Hollywood Chainsaw Hookers, yeah. Sorority Babes in the Slimeball Bowlerama. It yeah. is a throat grabber mm. of a title. Oh, yeah. Mansquito. <laughs> and it's probably, is it the best of the four? Oh, oh picking your favourite child. I'm going okay, okay. I'm going to say yes in a conventional sense. Oh. Because I think caveat. my favourite is Sharkman. Right. But we'll get to that. We'll get but, to that. But Mansquito okay. is but, a fabulous, fabulous horror movie and just an amazing creature feature. We're in the upper echelons. Um, yes. <laughs> we uh so so let's get this straight. So, Mansquito mm. um, is about a world on the verge of a massive epidemic. Now, such fanciful, <laughs> fanciful, idiotic, you know, where do they get these ideas? You know, mm. crazy. It's nuts as if that could ever happen in 2020. Um, <laughs> pharma, pharma firm, Bellion, have got a research program, haven't they? Mm-hmm. Um, because there's a highly contagious infection called uh, Gwynin. Yeah, I never quite, quite caught it. Gwynin. Caught the name, sorry. Gwynin. Sounds like another stroke. And that, anyway, highly contagious thing, transported by mosquitoes, hence they must inject. Whatever, we but don't the need science to. doesn't matter. Complete and utter bollocks. <laughs> if we sat and scrutinised it. Yeah. You know, it, it is cool that it does have that timeliness. To mm-hmm. it. Is that the word time? Yeah, would you say it's timely? I would Oppressioned? say so. One of them. Uh, Either way, virus spread by mosquitoes. Mm. Get some super duper <laughs> antidote carrying mosquitoes into yeah. society, and then somewhere along the line, you're experimenting on convicts. Mm-hmm. One of these experiments <laughs> goes wrong, and a convict ends up merging with the DNA of a mosquito in true fly fashion, yes. and becomes the eponymous mosquito. That, that's all you need. He's not just any convict. He no. is convicted murderer. Ray Erickson, who of course was caught by the lead guy in the piece, Curran Namek, who plays mm-hmm. Lieutenant Thomas Randall. And needless to say, as it happens, it's his girlfriend who's the assistant to the guy in the lab who's doing the experiment. Mm-hmm. And she happens to, I don't know, she, she doesn't have full transformation immediately, does she? Like the crook 
but she has sort of semi. I, th- I think we could break the pl- the plot is literally a stew of all my favourite <laughs> ingredients. Yeah. Okay. So you've got mad science, mm-hmm. monster movie, mm-hmm. body horror, yeah, a serial killer slash escape prisoner, uh-huh. and then a psychic connection to the monster. <laughs> all of these are just that is just my it hits everything that I look for in a horror movie and that, that's his, so she gets this psychic connection to Mosquito I, I think we described her asymptomatic in 2022 yes <laughs> <laughs> yeah I mean it, it, it's, it's it's a perfect combination mm. of, of factors isn't it mm. I mean I mean we've been talking here for a couple of minutes on it and probably people have turned off already because they're just desperate to go and see this. Because you I would be, wouldn't it? So. If you had two people talking about a film called Mansquito yeah, you, and, 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 and a brief introduction to the to the to the plot, you, you would be desperate to see this film. Yeah, I mean you're sold on the title alone. Mm. The fact that all of the all of this plot mm. is unloaded in the first twenty minutes. <laughs> it's all it is pure pure pulp horror. Yeah. Uh, it is wonderful. It's just a hodgepodge of all these amazing ideas that you love from so many other movies, mm-hmm. and 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 the joy of Mansquito is that it is so unashamed. It knows it's. I don't want to call it derivative, but yeah. it, it knows that it's cobbled together from a thousand other parts, and it is just basically having fun with every single yeah. one of them. But it's a very. It's it's not. Uh, it is derivative, but it's not done so in a lazy way. Mm. It's quite a stylized. It's quite a stylized film. I mean, it's completely set at night. There's mm. no, there's no daylight shots at all. Mm. I think it's raining in every exterior scene. It's got a very dark, brooding feel to it. Mm. I mean, it's. Whew, well, you know, one thing you need to know about about Mansquito is mm. that it is a film with what I would term tremendous pedigree. Mm. The, the director of it is uh, Tibor Takax, mm. uh, who, of course, had directed The Gate 1 and 2, mm-hmm. I, Madman, which is a fabulous horror movie. It's yeah. certainly one of my favourites. Mm-hmm. Uh, he'd worked with New Image before on a film called Red Line with Rutger Hauer and Mark Dacascos, mm-hmm. uh, which uh, us Brits, we got it on a cheapy disc as uh, under the title Armageddon. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, and he directed uh, an earlier creature feature for New Image from the sort of Octopus 2 era yeah. of the company called Killer Rats. Takax is clearly, I don't want to call him a dependable set of hands because there's a bit more to him than that. There is a style to his work. Mm, there is mm. a sort of... A, He's a, not a, a job for hire, yeah. is he? There is an an tourism mm-hmm. to it. Yeah. Uh, and I don't think there's any coincidence that he would be hired by new image and active to shepherd more of their no. more of their work because obviously post Mansquito he'd gone to do the black hole mm-hmm. uh, Kraken tentacles of the deep um, and then uh, Mega Snake in two thousand and seven and Ice Spiders oh and of course Ice Spiders Ice Spiders, Ice spiders. but yet yeah, he's a tremendous stylist mm-hmm. um, I don't think he's ever worked with a script that's wholly original um, ex- with the possible exception of I Madman which is a very quirky mm-hmm. and, and offbeat movie but I do think Mansquito fits in the I Madman mould as in that 
on top of all this crazy mad science, which it all oozes this EC comic book vibe. It's like something ripped straight from the pages of weird mm-hmm. science. Mm-hmm. But you've also got this noirish quality Very much that, so. that, mm. that uh, fits in with the comic book vibe oh, yeah. as well. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it begins with the, nora- uh, the noirish narration of, mm. of Corinne, uh, Corinne Nemack. Yeah, yeah. Very much so. Uh, I mean, obviously, so far we've had um, sort of Boaz and, and Ken mm. formulating the stories for these. With, with Mansquito, they were joined by um, Ray uh, Ray Canella, weren't they? Mm, from course, Sci-Fi. You yeah. mentioned it in the in the introduction. This was his baby. It was his baby. I read a really interesting uh, interview with him, where he was really sort of divulging the inner workings of a sci-fi movie, and it was really fascinating to to hear sort of the mantra. That they want to make a classic monster film that becomes embedded in popular culture, and um, with a very explicit set of rules. Mm. They said, "Rule one: show the monster," and rule two: put the monster in the title. They want a death every eight minutes. They want seven acts, six cliffhangers, and a climax. I mean, while these other movies, well especially one we'll get to a little bit later, don't necessarily fall into that um, template. I think Mosquito Man pretty mm. much follows it to the letter. Mm. And again, a, a part of that is I don't think there is any sort of coincidence that the actual script gets written by Michael Hurst, mm. a, a British writer and director who would go on to do Pumpkinhead 4 yes. for sci-fi. Um, so I think that he under there must have been an inherent understanding of what Canella was looking for, uh, and in terms of the the sci-fi blueprint, I think this absolutely nails it. Mm. It is non-stop motion. There's something happening before every commercial where every commercial yeah, break could yeah. go. There is, as you say, multiple cliffhangers, mm-hmm. uh, and it does have the mo- the monster movie frills mm. with without question. If you are after your practical effects, for instance, mm. I think what would surprise you about Mansquito is how heavily practical it is to the extent where had this have been made in the late '80s, this <laughs> would have a Screen Factory special edition. Yeah. Do, do you think it's Sci-Fi's best monster? Yes, <laughs> but 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 I love Sharkman too. Yeah, I think oh, they no, both no. have that amazing that quality I always look for. Where it's like if I can imagine myself as a kid drawing this thing, <laughs> and Mansquito, without a shadow of a doubt, is mm. extremely cool. Yeah. I just think that for me personally, more to my tastes, is Sharkman. Right, well, okay. I, I do think that in terms of genuine quality, as well as being a brilliant central monster, which again was designed by Tony Gardner, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, with CGI legwork and CGI enhancements done by Scott Coulter, mm. um, for the record, I think this is their best team up across yeah. these mm. movies. Um, the, the actual... The... the, the, the uh, the union of CGI and practical here is just absolutely mm. seamless. It is, isn't it? I mean, there are criticisms with regard to the way the creature moves, um, but you know, I, I can't, I can't see that really. Mm. I, I would, if you wanted to be ultra critical, like, you know. had I known that, it, had I not known 
that they were CGI legs that they put mm-hmm. on. A lot of the time, you you would just be completely <laughs> clueless to it. Um, but the actual practical suit, the top half of it, is just absolutely extraordinary to look at. It is, mm. and the best one of the best things about it is it is shot so cleanly. Like mm. it is, the light is on it. Yeah. You, you know that you are. You are given a monster in all its glory. It's not mm. hidden the shadows or anything like mm. that. Mm. And also, it, it caters to the uh, to your sort of fetish for for men in rubber suits. Mm. Completely, <laughs> completely. Um, and I mean that from a from a cinematic point of view entirely. <laughs> uh, but it, it, it does because uh, essentially, it's one of the most simplest aspects of a creature feature. But mm. it's one of the most wholesome and, and gratifying, uh, and that's what it is. Mm. But it, it, it's uh, it's perfect. Perfect. One of the cool things about it as well is that there is there's like pop after pop with it. Each each time the each time Mansquito seems to be on screen, it, there seems to be like a an upped gag. Mm. You know, be it the little uh, the, the, what's it called? I tell you what, I looked this up because <laughs> I was just going to say the the mosquito straw, but it turns yeah. out that that is actually called a labium, oh. not a labia. <laughs> Dirty-minded man. Good no, man. no. The li- so the mosquitoes little straw labium thing. Oh. When that's popping out, you've got you know it's bringing to mind the xenomorph from Alien mm-hmm. and its double mouth thing. Uh, and then at fifty-eight minutes when it gets its wings. Oh, yeah. I mean that is just majestic when but it the- starts flying around the place. Marvelous. The sound of those wings, though, I mm. find that really unnerving, especially during that final sequence where. You know, if you turn the volume up on TV, that, that that's that's a really it's an overbearing sound of these wings. It, mm. it it's really gets oh, it gets right down my back to be honest. Yeah, it was yeah. just really uh, made me sit uneasily. Um, but yeah, just just a simple thing, simple thing. Um, I do think we need to draw uh, be, beyond the, the aesthetic joy of Mansquito himself, mm. and beyond the the sort of great uh, pulpy comic book noir style of uh, Takax's direction mm. we, we do need to put a spotlight on uh, the production design of Carlos de Silva yes. which again it has that whole comic book vibe to it a lot of angular stuff uh, it, it you know it looks like something out of a Batman comic mm. a lot of the time it's got that sort of Gotham quality yeah, to it yeah, which I yeah. really really love well you mentioned the comic book thing and you know, I made a note here that I could almost see so many scenes that are sort of sketched in panels. Mm. You know, mm. if you pause the film, you can sort of, you, you can kind of imagine it. Imagine flicking through it. Imagine what it looked like, black mm. and white, in a comic book. Yeah, it fit. I do think one of the most baffling things for me is that New Image and Active and Sci-Fi were clearly hoping these four movies would mm. become some sort of a thing. At the time, they were very heavily promoted on the channel. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were they were even doing press in like Fangoria magazine and stuff yeah. like that. Whereas, what if you fast forward a few years when they're grinding out, you know, when they have movies like I don't know Troglodyte or something like that, mm-hmm. where these films were just dismissed. Yeah. Well, you had Scott Coulter pimping it up in the pages of Fangoria, giving a full history mm-hmm. of his effects company, Worldwide Effects, and talking about these movies and what they were. You know what they were trying to do with them mm. about how lava was like a, a an homage to invasion of the body snatchers and that sort of school of fifties mm. sci-fi, and about how Mansquito was a deliberate Cronenberg homage, and it mm. was just like their tip of the hat to the fly. 
it baffles me that they never bothered to make merchandise for this. Yeah. Because I'm telling mm. you now, right, in an era where people were eating up those Clive Barker tortured souls figures, mm-hmm. where they were absolutely lapping up the McFarlane movie maniacs, had yeah. someone had made a Mansquito, mm. uh, pe- there is a pocket of people, myself included, who would have been all over that shit. <laughs> I'd have had, I'd have them lined across my front room, <laughs> and my, I would kill to have a Mansquito. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it is just baffling that they never, that New Image never really got into the merchandising part of it. Mm. Whereas if you compare it to someone like Full Moon, which very much had the grind amount production line ethos, yeah. where they were knocking out little puppet master replicas and stuff, New Image they just seemed to miss a trick there. A little bit. They just moved on too quickly, I think. Mm. Um, quick word on the supporting cast. Uh, you had Matt Jordan playing Mansquito. He was kind of a Californian Andy Serkis, sort of specialised yeah. in playing creatures. He was in Steve Monroe's uh, It Waits the same year playing mm. the creature. You had um, Patrick Drakehouse who played um, Randall's partner, uh, Detective Charlie Morrison. He, he, he spread his uh, talent across four Takach films from Armageddon to Rats to Earthquake. Well, we had Jay Benedict, who played Dr. Aaron Michaels, mm. uh, the, the scientist, who is unfortunately uh, our first um, victim of coronavirus. He, oh, he really? Died of That's coronavirus so uh, back in April uh, in London, 68 he was, which is oh, uh, man. real shame, real shame. But this is... Uh, I mean, the cast, it's, it's they're, they're, they're cartoons, yeah. they're set dressing mm. for the most part, but it's not, not in a bad way, not in a way, as, as we'll go on to discuss with Snake Man, mm-hmm. um, but they, they all have a very likeable quality to them, they all have a very memorable look to them, uh, and we do, though, I feel, we need to mention Corin Nemak, who is, yeah. you know, he is arguably sci-fi <laughs> original movie's biggest star. Yeah. Uh, you know, he, as well as Stargate, SG-1, um, he's almost got too many sci-fi movies to list. <laughs> A few of them, SS Doom Trooper, mm. the aforementioned Troglodyte, Sand yeah. Sharks, Dragon Wasp. Uh, but Mansquito was his first. Was this it? was the gateway mm. for him into the wonderful realm of sci-fi <laughs> originals. And he's fine, isn't he? You know, mm. he's good. And again, I love the, the, neo, the neo-retro feel. The fact yeah. that he, he's narrating like a 50s detective. Uh, the fact that he's even dressed like a mm. 50s detective. It's just great. It's just... What, what, what's the big sequence for you? Is, is it the hospital standoff? Oh, the hospital massacre. Mm. But it, Superb, isn't it? It's marvellous. I think that's one of the finest things to ever grace sci-fi as a mm. channel. Mm. Um, the effects, the, the blood effects are just wonderful. Mm. It's got a great sense of carnage and chaos as, as Mansquito goes, you know, tr- uh, trudging through the halls of the hospital, yeah. uh, splattering all and sundry. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think that is... Uh, and I am partial to the ending as well. Well, it, the double ending, yeah. where when, he's, when Mansquito is finally thwarted, I do think that that's, kind of, that's a nice visual mm-hmm. as well. Um, and just any time Mansquito's on screen, mm. it's all, it is all gravy. <laughs> It is just an absolute joy to watch yeah. from beginning to end. Uh, and if, if you know if you are into movies like The Fly or The Nest, uh, the, yeah, from what when was that eighty eight something yeah. like that? Yeah. This this ticks those boxes, and it, it just does so so perfectly and so brilliantly with with style and wit and energy. Can't fault it. Just an amazing B movie. You're listening to Natural Selection. 
the home of the DTV Creature Feature. Subject number A415 before is ready, Doctor. How long have you been in touch with King? Dr. King left out some of the key components of the formula, but if this is what I think it is, then King may have very well solved the stem cell riddle, and the possibilities are limitless. We leave tomorrow. Did you know sharks never succumb to disease? Are you still obsessed with sharks? Give you future of the human I created the perfect organism. God, King, you've lost it. This meeting is over. You can't just keep us here! started doing shark movies on episode 11 and now we've got another one but it's not really a shark well, it is a shark movie isn't it mm. it's mm. shark man yes um you like this i love this movie <laughs> i absolutely adore shark man uh, it baffles me but it, it seems to be the one that gets short shrift out of all of them mm. uh, lava got some okay reviews yeah uh mansquito War, that that quite rightly got some good reviews as well. Even yeah. the usually quite dismissive Doctor Cyclops in the in the page <laughs> of Fangory referred to Mansquito as a cut above wow. the usual sci-fi type of movie. Uh, Snake Man was kind of rightly dismissed, and but Shark Man sort of slipped under most people. Like Mansquito, you will really really get a great deal from Shark Man as well um, I think I've seen this more than any other sci-fi oh, really? original movie I've seen this movie more times than I would care to <laughs> publicly <laughs> admit and I just I just love it it's just uh, 88 minutes of pure pleasure mm. it's about Preston King isn't it mm-hmm. uh, played by Jeffrey Combs he's yes. a bioscientist who for the last five years has been in total exile mm-hmm. on an island looking for a cure for end stage diseases but there's a backstory, isn't there? There's his son who died and he thinks he can somehow keep him alive. Because, mm, well, he didn't really die. Well, mm. the, the official line is that he died. <laughs> but as we quickly find out, Dr. King has turned him into Sharkman. Yeah. Uh, and has turned him into a human-shark hybrid because under the... What I'm going to start terming the, uh, the the deep blue sea principle of all illnesses being able to be cured by <laughs> shark DNA. Why not? And so that ends up with King inviting his old work cohort yeah. to his 
Dr. Moreau-type island to yeah. be eaten by his half-human, half-shark son. And <laughs> if this is not selling you on this movie, you need to listen to a different podcast. But it's not just his work colleagues, it's also his daughter-in-law. Ex-daughter-in-law. Ex- they never... Well, mm. technically not even well, no. they, they never marry. They were engaged. Daughter-in-law-to-be, <laughs> uh, which is Amelia, isn't it, played by Hunter Tylo, mm-hmm. who comes to the island with her new boyfriend, where we say hello to William Forsyth again, who mm-hmm. plays Tom. Who happens to be an ass-kicking head of IT, <laughs> which is just fabulous. Yeah, great quote Absolutely from William fabulous. Forsyth, where he says... Uh, my agent called me in New York at 10 a.m. and said, pack your bags, you're leaving for Bulgaria today. <laughs> uh, he said he got sent a script within the hour, liked it, and said, let's go. Mm-hmm. Amazing. It's fantastic. And I can see why, because to me, one of the... Obviously, the creature carnage, mm-hmm. Jeffrey Combs, hamming it up. But one of the, the many, many pleasures of Sharkman is that we get to see this rare romantic slash leading man slash action hero turn from William Forsyth, who is usually lumped in quirky character parts. With a dad bod. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Uh, So he's either quirky character parts like in Lava, Mm. or he's out and out chewing the scenery as a bad guy in The Devil's Rejects or Out for Justice. Mm -hmm. But here he plays a rather conventional leading man. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, with a, with a dad bod, he's a he's a great everyman action hero <laughs> who spends a lot of the time running around with a machine gun mm. and calling uh, c- calling uh, Hunter Tyler's character baby a lot. <laughs> Hands are a shotgun. There you go, baby. We need to escape this baby. And I think honestly, it is just you can tell he is relishing the chance to play a romantic lead yeah. in a movie. Oh, without doubt, he's great. Mm. Not 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 in a white t-shirt though. <laughs> Maybe for something more slimming. You know, but the, the whole cast are very good. They're brilliant. Hunter Tyler, who, uh, God, she, you know, she, uh, the, is it the bold and the beautiful that long running American two, show? Two thousand one hundred episodes. She wow, was in. wow, that's that that's a lifetime. That, that, she's the Ken Barlow of um, of. Um, American soap. American soap. So she's she's really good as the love interest. Uh, Arthur Roberts, the great Jim Wynorski, regular Arthur Roberts. Yeah, 11 collaborations. Yeah, he plays another sort of secondary hero to it, this rich guy. Mm. Uh, And then, yeah, the rest of the, you know, Forsyth, Tyler Roberts, uh, and even... Uh, wow, what's he called? The, the Bulgarian fellow, the Igor type. He's brilliant. Villazar Bini. That's, that's it, yes. Who uh, Krauss. Play, yes, plays the Igor-like Dr. Krauss. <laughs> and of course, Binev, the preeminent Bulgarian bit parter, who yeah. we all loved from Python <laughs> 2, Boavers Python, Deep Shock, uh, Antibody, and he even briefly, briefly pops up in Mosquito Man. So right. yeah, so he's any time you see a sci-fi channel movie that's been made in Bulgaria, there's a high chance uh, that uh, Velazir Binev uh, is, that, is that how I say it? Binev. 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 There's a high chance Binev. that he's going to mm. be in it. But, um, but, but, but those guys aside, the rest of the cast are, are, are set dressing. Yeah, but but they've all got an interesting history. I mean, you look at um, Katie Medvenko. Mm. Um, Played by Lily Danier, the French actress. She was in The Assault, she was in Invasion of Privacy. Mm. She was in um, uh, Night Trap by, I've forgotten the guy's name, Ted Pryor. Brother, oh, David A. Pryor. David A. Pryor. Yeah. Uh, she was in t- uh, To the Limit. All right, okay. She was Miss Legs International in 1984. 
Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then you got Elise Muller, who played Jane. And, you know, she made her debut in David Dakota's uh, Beach Babes from Beyond. So, you know, you've, you've got a really a, a eclectic cast. Yes, the set dressing. But it's an eclectic yeah. cast. It's not just, you know, yeah, cardboard Yeah, okay, okay. I'll, I'll give you that. Mm-hmm. But I, I think for one thing that we... It is Jeffrey Combs' well, show. Yeah, Without, no I, I don't think that anyone is under the, the illusion that if you hire Jeffrey Combs to play a mad scientist, <laughs> you know Herbert West himself, that mm-hmm. you are going to, you know, you are going to have him in fine hammy form. Mm. And you know he's there rocking his Doctor Vanacud House and Haunted Hill tash again, uh, verbal you know, supporting yet still verbally abusing the ego type assistant Doctor Kraus, um, and just with this whole crazy notion of turning people into shark human hybrids, he's having an absolute ball. I've, I've got him down as a, as a as a fascist dictator meets Walt Disney. Yeah, aye, that's a bit. kind of that. <laughs> Or, 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 or a twisted matinee aisle from the 40s, like mm. like, a, like a really, like an, uh, if, if you know, Clark Gable had, you know, sort of gone wayward. Yeah, if, if Clark Gable had played <laughs> Dr. X. So. It's just his, his disposable rubber gloves that he has. Just oh, fantastic. Wife, oh, what a touch. Just little, little touches that you wouldn't mm. really seen on a first watch. But with every sort of repetitive viewing that you see afterwards, you pick up on these little things that he gives to his character. Tinted glasses. Well, I hate people in tinted glasses. No offence, anybody. I had, a, I had a business studies teacher at school with mm. tinted glasses, and it always made him look a little bit predatory. Mm. Anyway. That works in here, though. But the good thing the good thing about the core cast of, like, mm. Forsyth, Combs, uh, Tylo, and, and Roberts' characters is, is that... They are car- they're big cartoon characters. Mm. You, we don't learn a lot of information about them. They are very no. two dimensional. Mm. But what is there is, you know, it's like a shorthand good guy, secondary good guy, love interest who's mm. not afraid to kick ass, oh, yeah. evil scientist, harangued assistant, <laughs> and I think that they it's it, it, it total archetypes. You could it, see these characters works. sketched out on a napkin, couldn't yeah. you? Yeah, but it it, it works mm. within the context of. This movie, which is just this wonderful, wonderful mashup of like, you know, it, it's comic book. It's got that whole Mansquito EC weird science vibe mm. again. It's got a splash of the Island of Doctor Moreau, and and just a little, just a little tiny bit of Jurassic Park just for seasoning. Mm-hmm. And I love all that. It's it's a fabulous, fabulous movie with a great, great creature in the centre of it. But it transcends genres as well, doesn't it? You know. From like that twenty-five minute point, it's almost like a, like a stalk and slash, mm. practically. Mm. But then you can tune in at, at the hour mark, and then suddenly you've got gunfire, you've got combat, you've got choppers. You think, what's going on? It's not the film to fall asleep in. That, mm. That's what yeah. I, I do. Yeah, yeah. I do not recommend falling asleep in this because you know you fall asleep and it's it's some kind of weird scientist experimentation, and you wake up and you think you're watching sort of platoon. Yes. So yeah, yeah bit trippy. It is a real hodgepodge. Mm. Of a movie, you know, because in addition to what I, you know, what what you said there about a little bit of platoon, say, there's there's elements of the most dangerous game as well. When mm. because one of the early standout sequences is, you know, you've got Combs, he has them in his boardroom, and this boardroom turns into a, like a chamber that can be flooded with water, and he's going to feed them to his shark man, to his shark man something, mm. uh, and you know, then they have to escape through the jungle while it's pursuing them. It's all, it is so ridiculously attention-holding, it's, it's criminal. You know, Mike, Michael Oblowitz directed this movie, and he was fresh from uh, the rather um, 
I guess kind of ropey Steven Seagal two-punch of the foreigner and out for a kill, which uh, the, the latter of which New Image had a financial hand in via their quote-unquote more prestigious <laughs> outfit, mm. Millennium. Uh and he he has a good handle on keeping things interesting. Um, it is a mite sloppy from a technical point of view. Mm, There's a mm-hmm. few things where it looks like they they're rushing and that, but it's a very high energy film, and I think that works in its favour. As you say, you can't fall asleep in it because no, there no, is no. something always, always happening. He's such a um, eclectic filmmaker, though. He's South African, isn't he? And he mm. Began with with a really arty film called This World and the Fireworks, which I think was Cheryl Lee and Billy Zane. Which was very, uh, sort of very art house compared to to these. Obviously, mm. before going on to the breed and cigars. Um, in terms of storyline, again, it was Boaz and Ken, mm. but the screenplay is credited to Howard Zemsky and Monty Featherstone. Mm-hmm. Have you read Monty Featherstone's bio on IMDb? Yes, self-aggrandizing. <laughs> you know, I just. Monty was born, forgive me, forgive, but it's worth it. Monty was born into an aristocratic European family that can trace its ancestry, ancestry, ancestry back to William the Conqueror. His interest in fast-paced action drama was born from the adventure stories he heard from his grandfather, one of the founding members of the SAS. In 1995, Monty met the woman who had become his wife. She was a domestic servant for his host family, but that didn't matter to Monty. It was love at first sight. After marriage and green card, <laughs> the Featherstone family moved to LA and Monty embarked on his writing career. It's bizarre. It, it sounds like a, it, He's not real. He can't be real. He's not real. He's, he's a character from a Mills and Booms novel. You know, M- Monty still works closely with his two mentors and he enjoys playing cricket with his good friend Clement von Frankenstein who is a real-life baron and descendant of Shelley's subject. I, I am going to say that it's likely a pseudonym. That Mon- Monty Featherston and his writing partner, Howard Zemsky, the other, only other credit is uh, Wild Things Foursome. I do believe that these two guys are likely made-up people. Yeah, yeah. And it's someone just having... And that is screamingly funny. That you know, because if it if it is true, he is one <laughs> pompous and bizarre sounding individual. But Sharkman, uh, like Mosquito slash Mosquito Man, it has numerous titles. It was written as mm. Hammerhead Island. Yeah. Uh, it premiered on Sci-Fi as Hammerhead Shark Frenzy, and then ultimately it ends up released to DVD as Sharkman. Uh, I do think Sharkman. Is probably the most fitting title for it, yeah. but Hammerhead has a real power that, and that really matches the sort of, I want to say almost punky energy of the film, as in that it is a little bit rough and ready at mm, times, mm. you know, and it does have that. What I said about the sloppiness, it's not intrusive or anything like that, it's just sort of like, oh yeah, let's throw this amazing effect. In let's let's throw some blood across the screen here. Let's have them just all shooting the crap out of each other. Mm-hmm. You know, it's got that sort of throw all the spaghetti at the wall and let's see what sticks attitude. And I really do love that. You uh, mentioned you mentioned the production design on on um, the last film we talked about, mm-hmm. which was Mosquito Man. <laughs> Mosquito. And um, similarly with this, I think it looks fantastic. I, th- I think. Um, I think uh, Jeffrey Combs' lab is fantastic. Yeah. Uh, Valentina. Um, Mladenova. Mladenova 
the, the production design and it looks really good. Yeah. You know, considering the budget, I think it looks. It's uh, it, you know it, it is like Carlos de Silva's in in, in Mansquito. Mm, um, mm. It's got that comic book vibe to it. Again, the the, the accents and, and nods to the island of Doctor Moreau, or from you know all of its versions from the island of Lost Souls up until the doomed John Frankenheimer mm. version. Yeah, the, it's it's just got that great mad scientist lab look, glass, uh, lots of paraphernalia kicking about the place. Great, great lighting. Uh, you know the cinematographer Emil Tapuzanov, Tapuzanov, Tapuzov, Emil Tapuzov. Uh, he'd also shot Mansquito, which, like this movie, was shot in Bulgaria. And his other other credits, he, he, you know, he he is a bit of a stylist. He's got a real mm. painterly and music video quality to his stuff, and and he's shot several more stylish new image films including Wicked Little Things uh, which incidentally mm. that uh, prior to being directed by J.S. Cardoni uh, it was originally a Toby Hooper film it was developed right. as Toby Hooper's mm. Zombies but that's a real nice looking film and uh, so is Tibor Takax's uh, Mega Snake mm. from mm. 2007 so and uh, his, his cinematography it's got this nice marriage of, of the tropical and this kitschy 50s B style, this yeah. mad science to it, and I think it just works really, really well. It's got a great look to it. Mm. So Shark Man is going to fight Mosquito Man, really, isn't it? For, mm. for, for King of These Four. Mm. But this edges it for you. Yeah, I mean, in, in term, Mosquito is the more conventionally better of the two, but mm. to me, the Sh- Shark Man himself is just a fabulous, fabulous creation. Mm-hmm. Um... It's a great look, you know, and that that quality of being able to draw it that I really, really love. Um, you know, you, you can do that with Sharkman in spades, and it'd be dead easy to draw as well, because mm. obviously it's the hammerhead stuff like that. But again, I do think that they missed a trick with this movie because the, the, a big success of Sharkman is had you witnessed this as an eight-year-old kid or a ten-year-old kid yeah. or whatever, you would probably think this is the coolest movie ever. Mm. You know, it's... And you could have made toys out of it. You could have made an entire play set from Dr. King's <laughs> Island. You could have had a figure of Dr. King. You could have had oh, a figure yeah. of William Forsyth's character. You could have had, of course, a figure of Sharkman. Mm. It, you know, it wouldn't have been the sort of thing you could find in Toys R Us. It'd probably be more like, you know, the kind of janky dinosaurs versus soldiers type toys you get in Pound Stretcher. Mm. But, mm. you know, why they didn't market this when it has that intrinsic gateway horror vibe to it that this is the sort of movie that you could introduce a younger person to you know to, to your kids to mm. and they would especially if they were a kid into like dinosaurs and sharks they would absolutely lap this up mm. it hits everything and I do like that and I like the video game quality to it you know it, yeah. it's almost where what we said about Mansquito having this seven act structure with, with Sharkman there's a great every scene is like the next level of a mm, computer mm. game where it's like okay you need to escape the lab in this how do you get out the lab next sequence how do they hijack the chopper how do they escape the guards mm. how do they take over the boat yeah, yeah. and you know it's got that video game structure to it that I think works really well because it is so high energy mm. um, and I do find myself I just get caught up in Sharkman much more than I do with Mansquito purely because I think 
you know, we all have a certain amount of ADHD, I believe, and it, it this seems to fit my attention rhythm in that it's so fast-paced and quick and something's always happening. Mm. And I just find myself vibing with that a little bit more than Mansquito. Okay, three down, one to go, Snake Man left. I know we've shot our loads over these two. Mm-hmm. But stay tuned, you know, Snake Man... It's not without its charm. You're listening to Natural Selection, the home of the DTV Creature Feature. Dr. Richmond has informed me as a lost tribe who are direct descendants of the Amazon man living somewhere deep in the jungles of Brazil. Heading a team leaving for the Amazon immediately. Their mission is to assist in finding the secret for eternal youth. Matt Ford, it's your service. What? Stuck out in the middle of nowhere, so what are you gonna do about it? Timmy, take a look at this. Represents the snake god Naga. He and his men are too scared to go on. Hey, nobody's going back. What is that? We gotta go after it. Are you kidding me? It's gone. No trouble. Tell us where they took the woman, Tim. Snake. final film on the final episode of natural selection and wow what what have we saved for you snake man or the snake king how lucky mm-hmm. you are aren't they yeah uh, i think it's become a bit of a tradition for us to go out on a whimper <laughs> uh but it's the last it's the last film of this quartet mm. uh, and it's it's okay <laughs> You know, we really... I just find it extraordinary that Mansquito mm. and Sharkman yeah. are so bloody good. And then this one, it starts off so strongly. It does, it doesn't it? It's just... Mm. You know, it's shot on location in Brazil. Yeah. Uh, and in terms of the look and the locale, it is marvellous. Mm-hmm. I cannot fault the atmosphere of the piece. Uh, and that the jungle opening, it's got that real predator vibe to it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and that it it does fit in the sense that, like, you know, I suppose lava could be seen as as well as you know having a little bit of invasion of the body snatchers there. It mm-hmm. sort of tips mm-hmm. its hat to the thing and aliens. Yeah. Mansquito obviously tips its hat fly. to the fly. Mm. Shark man, you've got the whole reanimator thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, because of in terms of its craziness and anarchic quality. Mm. And yeah, so you know, Snake Man is drawing upon the the cult eighties legacy of of like Predator, and 
it's tailored to that sort of 80s template and the opening shots they really do pique your interest uh, and there's a nice mystery to it there's uh, all these weird noises and the spooked out tribesmen in the amazon jungle <laughs> the, the hints at a sort of indiana jones type angle mm, mm. Uh, and then the plot sort of kicks in and it just kind of becomes yeah well we've got these anthropologists haven't we mm-hmm. they found this this man the remains of a man who has apparently been alive or lived for 300 years mm-hmm. They take his mummified body back to America and then there follows a second group, second expedition, who try to work out just why, uh, what are the secrets to his longevity? Mm. And that's mm. where sort of the kind of the, the crux of the story lies. Yeah. I, I remember when we when we were writing the uh, Anaconda booklet for 88 mm. Films that we sort of, I think you pointed it out and you said that this could be an unused draft of an Anaconda sequel. It really could. Because, mm. uh, you know, that whole plot point of, of the, the the secret of elongating life and mm. all that, mm. it's, it does mirror the previous year's uh, big-budget cinematic creature feature, Anaconda's Hunt for the Blood Orchid, yeah. uh, which came from Sony. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I actually think that we had to censor that line, that we'd mentioned that, and Sony didn't want us drawing, how <laughs> dare we, how dare we draw comparison between these drecky sci-fi movies and their (laughs) award-winning cinematic follow-up to Anaconda. (laughs) Uh, But, yeah, it's got that whole Anaconda-type vibe to it, and Mm. it is really... Yeah, it just sort of flounders along, and I don't think it's helped by... Look, the the problem isn't Alan Goldstein's direction. Mm. You know, I think he's a very... He's a, a good set of hands for this thing. He, uh, of course, you know, he's got quite an extensive array of credits that range from, uh, you know, they've, they've run the gamut from Death Wish 5 uh, and to, uh, to a film that I know that you're a big fan of, One Way Out. With, One Way uh, Out. With Jim Belushi. Jim Belushi. And, and he tra- he's got a good handle mm-hmm. on, on mood and atmosphere, but the script's just kind of flat. And it doesn't help that Stephen Baldwin's performance is really poor face. Yeah, it's a bit pompous, isn't it? I mean, the script is from mm-hmm. Declan O'Brien, who's a, a sci-fi mainstay, mm-hmm. isn't he? I mean, this was his debut writing gig, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, he then went on to write other sci-fi films like Harpies and Rock Monster before um, directing a lot more. Directing Wrong Turn 3, 4... Five, and also Joyride Three, which which, which I do like. I think it's a good good mm. sequel. Uh, but yeah, Baldwin. I don't know. Baldwin's a funny one for me. He kind of hit sort of paid dirt with Usual Suspects, mm. but then like the same year he's in Biodome with mm. Paulie Shaw. But then he's in something as criminally underrated as Crime Time with Pete Puzzlethwaite, <laughs> which I will bang the drum for till the day I die. Um, and then by this time, by two mid noughties he's kind of um, sleepwalking. I mean, he he, he would he, he's a bit um, churchified now, is he? Is it? Is it yeah, than, yeah, yeah. He's very. He appeared in a bunch of uh, those religious propaganda movies. But this period, he was very much in the sci-fi realm. He did a couple more for um, Cinetel, mm-hmm. the Earthstorm, and Darkstorm, unconnected but similarly themed. Mm. He had a lot of direct-to-video cachet mm, at the time, mm. and you know mo- whether we like it or not, movies could get bankrolled on the fact that Stephen Baldwin was in it. Yeah, I do think he is the least talented 
of the Baldwins. Uh, no offence to the guy, I'm sure he's a lovely man, but um, I don't think that he doesn't sort of have the fire in his in in, in his belly like Alec and Daniel do. Mm. Um, and even like William Baldwin has a little bit more. Yeah, he's got yeah. a bit more bollocks to him, I think. And in here, he Baldwin really gives his character the, the, the Indiana Jones type Amazon guide Matt Ford. He's called, mm. and it, it, he's just so poor faced, and yeah. he really, it's like he, it's so serious and so downbeat that it, it really sucks whatever fun was in Snake mm. uh, Snake Man out of it. Mm. I like the way they're looking for the Amazon man. <laughs> I look for the Amazon man most days, to be honest, yeah, for the latest Blu-ray and whatever to come through my door. But yeah, it's uh, like that that scene where Baldwin is uh, is suddenly fluent in, in in the language of this long lost tribe. Mm. It's just oh, it's, it's yeah, it really uh, he he does not um, sort of ingratiate himself to to you. The, the pleasure to take from Snake Man is is the cinematography. Mm, I think mm. Eric uh, Eric Moynier, who'd previously shot director Alan Goldstein's uh, enjoyably daft Dorian Gray riff, Packed with the Devil, which mm. starred Malcolm McDowell. He, yeah. he does. Uh, I think I said earlier, you make great use of the jungle. Uh, just the, the shots and the lightning, they all have this depth and texture to them. Uh, but again, yeah, I mean, even that in the photography lacks the sort of more boisterous comic book pomp of Mos- uh, of uh, Mansquito and Shark Man. Mm. Although I will say that my, my favourite sequence is any time set at night, the dance of the tribesmen, which is just lit by these flaming torches. That's got a wonderful, wonderful ethereal atmosphere to it. It reminds me a lot of... Uh, now, I don't reckon much to the film, but I think it's got a great vibe to it. Did you ever see Vinyan with... Uh, oh, yeah. Was I right? Yeah, that was the guy yeah. who directed something... Um, this was his second film, wasn't it? He directed something bigger before Vinyan. Wasn't it The Ordeal? The yeah, Belgian I th- film? yeah, yeah. I mm. think so, yeah. And it's got... Uh, is, it Ru- is it Rufus Sewell? Mm. Isn't it? Yeah, and it's got like a, a jungle-based yeah. don't look now. And, I, uh, and the vibe of that's very good. And I think that there's... You know, there's a lot of that in Snake Man, that sort of mysterious and uh, almost that Aguirre Wrath of God quality. Mm. It feels like you're in a completely whole other world and as if, like, reality is just starting to slip away. Mm. Um, But unfortunately, this film... You know, Goldstein keeps things lively, or at least he tries to, by, you know, there's something always happening scene to scene, but it's often... Noise for noise's sake. Yeah, I think you know, like, and there's that Baldwin ser- serious and dour tone that infiltrates the movie. Um, now, Lava that was a serious minded movie, but that had the character drama to back mm-hmm. it up. Uh, and and then the weird thing is that the characters in here are so stock and so thin, mm. just like they were in in Mansquito and Sharkman. If you yeah. really wanted to pick them apart, but. They were played as big cartoons in those movies. In here, they're just thin and poorly written characters. Mm-hmm. And it's like Snake... All the criticisms that I could level at Snake Man, they, they apply to Lava, Mosquito, and... Uh, Lava, uh, Mansquito, and Shark Man. But they made, they took those criticisms and they turned them into, into positives. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they knew what their limitations were. And they tried to make the best of them, and they bloody did so. Mm. Whereas this is just stuck with a lump and script, and, mm. and and the biggie, the creature is crap. Yeah, it's just crap, and 
it pains me to say because Scott Coulter's CGI across the rest of these series, yes, mm. it looks it's a little bit ropey in Lava at times, mm. but Scott Coulter's CGI is usually very good. But here, this is the sort of movie that people who criticise CGI in sci-fi movies would hold up as an example of bad CGI. Mm-hmm. I mean, it falls way past Canella's original, you know, insistence that the creature is is seen. You know, continuously mm. through the film because it's, it's not we, we barely see it yeah um, and when we do it's you know so you presume that it must have been yanked from um, apologies for doing that movement <laughs> <laughs> um, it must have been yanked from the screen because of them they must have liked it you know, that, mm. that's the only reason you can think that it's not on screen as much as you think mm. it should be well, because they must have made that quality control sort of judgement to, to not uh... There, there is a strange. If you look in the credits, mm. a, a guy called Mark Villalobos is listed as the creature effects supervisor. Now he is a makeup guy. He owns Monster Effects, mm. um, and he'd done uh, Critters Free, Critters Four, Night of the Demons Free, Wishmaster Free, Wishmaster Four. But if you look throughout Snake Man, there is heart, other than maybe a few little makeup effects to people's lips of blood. Mm. There is no. There's not a single. Elaborate special makeup yeah. effects, but Villa Lobos, he he has a creature effects supervisor credit. So I'm thinking that there was some sort of practical effect here at some point that has just been pasted over by Coulter's mm, CGI. Mm. Um, you know, and that explains why the CGI often looks like it's been, you know, superimposed onto something else. Mm. Whereas you compare it to Mansquito, where the legs it, it was deliberately designed that way, so it is faultless by and large. Yeah, lava. There's a few paint. Over, there's a one or two little paint over jobs in that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sharkman again. That's a decent mixture of CGI for the swimming stuff and practical for when it's running around on land. But here, there is definitely. I would put money on Villa Lobos's actual physical effects being just pasted over, yeah. like mm-hmm. like uh, like they were in Python. Remember when we talked about Python? That's what happened there. They had a ah, giant snake right, head made right, for that, right. yeah, but yeah. then it was pasted over. And now, linked in with that. There's something that I found interesting, and I never really thought about it before until I watched it this time, but the snake creature, this giant, this huge, whopping snake, it's it, it, it fucking huge, but mm. it's, its size changes every time it's on screen. Mm. Like, sometimes, you know, it, it's, as, it's as big as a bus. Next time, it's like, you know, the size of a skyscraper in, in the middle of London. Mm. But what gets me, there's one scene where this snake creature, it's revealed that it has multiple heads which is, it's mm-hmm. a neat touch, yeah. but then, and it is surprising, but it's only surprising insofar as it's as if Goldstein had suddenly gone, oh, this thing, uh, it's now got multiple heads, by the way, and just throws it in without any build-up, almost on a whim. Mm. So I wonder if to try and spruce up this creature, they tried they try the whole multiple head thing, mm. you know, and... And that translates to the screen, but it does feel like no one really had a handle on what the monster was going to be. Yeah. Despite this amazing, amazing jungle vibe. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. It's just... It's a real disappointment. It's a real disappointment. Mm. Um, There is a bounty of um, absolutely pointless trivia uh, concerning the film that I I can bombard you with. Please do. Please do. <laughs> um, and that is that the, the three um, lead actors, Stephen Baldwin, Jane Heitmeyer and Larry Day, 
all starred in the same film uh, three years prior, which was Alan Moy's Exchange. Hey, that's a great little movie. It's all that. right, isn't yeah, it? That's yeah, very good. Yeah. Um, one of the crew, one of the jungle crew, uh, Sid, I think she's one of the first to get killed, uh, uh, actress called Shelley Verard, uh, she's a doctor in human sexuality. Okay. And an ex-member of the Israeli army. Oh, I wonder if she's married to David Varrod as well, one of the new images. Oh, yeah. yeah. Makes sense, doesn't it? It's an unusual... Two unusual, and two. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, thirdly, we need to pay a quick homage to Gary Hudson, who plays Dr. John Simon, a star of Indecent Behaviour. And surely, in 1993, he must have been the number one male adult star on video. Mustn't he? You know, Indecent Behaviour, Sexual Intent, Mind Twister... Surely there was no bigger mm. male video you know, star. In the erotic thriller. Yeah. Um, and finally, what, what, which actor in this film? Sorry, I know you hate these questions. I hate it when you do this. <laughs> Last time ever. Come on. Come on, then. You've got to get this one. Which actor in the film connects Freddie Mercury with Wes Craven? <laughs> <laughs> Come on. Easy. Oh... I have no idea. No? No idea. Ah, you see. There's Ross McCall. Of course. Ross McCall played Little Freddie Mercury in the video for Queen's fifth single to be taken from um, Innuendo called The Miracle. Okay. And he played Little Freddie Mercury when when the the bridge sort of comes on in a song. Mm. Freddie Mercury comes on and puts his arm around Little Freddie Mercury. And it's like a... Yeah, anyway. Um, And he was engaged to Jennifer Love Hewitt for a year. All right, okay. So... Freddie Mercury was craven. Tenuous, but, you know, try your best. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I do think that we need to say uh, two more things about Snake Man. Well, one about Snake Man and one about this entire quartet. Mm -hmm. So the first Mm -hmm. one is that Snake Man's UK DVD is so suffocatingly cheap that it doesn't (laughs) even have an offered menu. Uh... It just has an offering deck as the, uh, <laughs> as the start. Um, and if you are ever wondering what day the Snake Man was offered on a British <laughs> DVD, I can tell you I can tell you now that it was the 14th of June 2008 at 10.39am. <laughs> Thank you, Boulevard. Brilliant. Um, I will say, though, that irrespective of Snake Man's uh, overall quality as a whole... These four movies and the earlier Alien Lockdown were successful enough for New Image and Active for them to go into collaboration <clears throat> on a series of other movies. Mm. So, as reported to Variety on the 6th of November 2004, Avi Lerner's New Image Films has pacted with Active Entertainment again to make four more picks for sci-fi with budgets of, check this... Three million dollars a piece, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that was uh, reported to Variety as following Lava Creature, which is the film that became Alien Lockdown, right, right. Uh, and The Snake King, which is the film that became Snake Man. Mm-hmm. So the other four films that they made was The Black Hole Project, which yeah. eventually came to be simply The Black Hole, yeah, directed yeah. by T-Bow. Yep, Tibor mm-hmm. Takax, uh, The Gryphon, which oh, yeah. became Attack of the Gryphon in mm-hmm. two thousand and seven. Uh, Alien vs. Alien, which became Showdown at Area 51 right. in 2007, which is an l- absolute cracker. And speaking of crackers, we had Tibor Takax's 
The Kraken, which became Kraken mm. Tentacles of the Deep in 2006. So, no matter what our opinions are, what audience opinions uh, are, these films were successful enough mm. for sci-fi, both in terms of ratings mm-hmm. and in terms for new image and active when they put them out on a DVD internationally. Uh, to warrant a team up to make films that were all another four films that would double the budget yeah. of all these one point mm-hmm. five million dollar movies. Mm. Uh, a postscript to that is, of course, they all went to sci-fi as well. Mm. So you know, this this was the start of it. This was where all these films started playing on sci-fi, and we ended up how we are today, where sci-fi is synonymous with these movies for better or worse. To me, I think that this 99 to 2005 was the boom period. Mm. They, they're mm. the ones where they, these are the genuinely interesting and excellent ones. Yes, there's some good stuff made in the years since, but not with as much frequency as there were here. No, I mean, in regards to original features, Canella said that they made one in 2002, a dozen in 2004 and we're due to make 22 in 2005. So mm-hmm. we'll look at the first 50, are we? The first yeah, yeah. 50 are the indispensable ones. Mm-hmm. Good. Um, have you enjoyed the last 12 episodes? Yeah, I have. Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to lie. Why? I've got a little bit of creature feature fatigue now. I think we've <laughs> we've spent 18 months on creature, between the Anaconda yeah. booklet, which was the impetus yeah. for this entire show, and then... You know, the, the, the show itself, what started out as it was only going to be like a nine-month project mm-hmm. ended up doubling. And yeah. I think that it is... Uh, I think out of the... That, that 1999-2005 wave, I think we've said mm. all we need to say at this point on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what's next? Uh, well, we're going to do another show. We're going to... We're, we're rebranding. We've decided we're going to keep the... The Schlockenor as the masthead, and it's going to be presenting a different series each time. So we've got twelve episodes up our sleeves. Something next, and uh, I don't want to reveal too much about it right now. But we were talking before recording, and we really do think things are going to get a little bit sexy. Let's put it that way. Good. Stay tuned. Beyond desire. Beyond passion. Beyond madness. An all new podcast from the files of Schlock and All. Flesh Noir, the straight-to-video erotic thriller. Coming soon. Sex. Sex.